invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, beginning with verse 14. That's on page 949 of your pew Bibles. Appreciate your prayers, uh, by the way, for, for Lynn and me, begun a new set of medications uh, for, for treatment, cancer treatment, see the doctor again another week and uh, figure out what the next step is, but uh, praising God for his goodness and grace and your prayers. Uh, but hear the word of God, Romans 15, verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem... And all the way round to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your holy word, inspired, inerrant, infallible. We thank you for giving to us your Holy Spirit, Lord, that works within us even as your word is read and taught and proclaimed. Lord, we pray this morning uh, that we would hear the good news of the gospel, that we would know, uh, Lord, beyond doubt, uh, the good news that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins on the cross. Lord, we pray that uh, you would equip us so that we might go forth to to be your gospel witnesses in a hurting, hopeless, dying world around us. May we speak of the saving love of God in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, if you've ever flown on a commercial airline, you're probably familiar with the words from the captain that come near the end of the flight 
They'll say something like, we've begun to prepare for our landing. Always glad to hear we've begun to prepare for our landing in Lafayette or Baton Rouge, New Orleans. And then you hear uh, the pilot lower the flaps on the back of the wings. If you're sitting on uh, near the wings, you can uh, see it yourself. Uh, you, you see the bright landing lights come on. Uh, you, you can feel and hear the sound of the landing gear drop and lock into place. That's always a good sound. And then finally, um, you get that sense of relief when uh, the pilots make a soft and timely landing at your, on the runway and uh, you're at your destination. You know, you, you breathe a sigh of relief uh, when you're almost home. You know, I want you to keep that, that image of, of being almost home here as we study Romans 15. You know, here beginning in Romans 15, 14, I invite you to keep your Bibles open, encourage you to keep your Bibles open. The Apostle Paul starts his final preparations uh, to bring this glorious gospel, uh, this glorious book of Romans, home to our hearts. He, at the beginning of Romans, he, he laid a, a gospel foundation there in verses 1 through 17, uh, then uh, God's word faithfully shows our our great need for the gospel, that we are helpless, hopeless sinners. We read about God's gracious work of justification. He declares us righteous in Christ, and as well, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us in that journey of faith. And now in these final chapters, uh, the Apostle Paul begins to apply the, the gospel to our walk of faith with Christ. It's, it's a long closing, you know, from Romans fifteen fourteen all, all the way to the end of chapter 16, verse 27. You know, but, but Paul seeks to give gospel comfort uh, to this beloved church family. He, he writes from a heart uh, overflowing with the love of Christ his love for this church at Rome, and still his love for the lost, those who need to hear the good news of the gospel. You know, these are personal and powerful words for struggling Christians. Uh, the church there at Rome is being persecuted. And uh, these are, are comforting words to Christians as they long to safely arrive at home in glory with Christ. And as we study these verses together, this is the thought we'd like for us to keep in mind from Scripture, that God graciously uses faithful gospel ministry to bring his children safely home. And how does faithful gospel ministry then bring us safely home? It begins with a gospel confidence, uh, then there is a gospel concern, and finally uh, a gospel courage. Beginning there in Romans 15, 14, we see a a gospel confidence about the church. Uh, You know, 
I'm, I'm compelled to read Romans 15, 13. It, it's that lead-in verse. There in your Bibles, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's Paul's prayer for the church, almost a benediction here. You know, but like all good preachers, the Apostle Paul is saying here, wait, I've got a few more gospel truths that I must share with you. And a few things that ought to grab our attention here. You know, the first is this. It's a very personal note here. You know, for those of you who like language, who note pronouns, the pronoun I or me is used ten times in eight verses. You know, that, that's striking for the Apostle Paul. You know, it comes from his heart. You know, but it, it's very purposeful as well. You know, here he is still talking about the gospel coming to the Gentiles. But he begins there with, with uh, commendation for this biblical church. He calls them brothers in Christ, that, that term of Christian endearment. We're, we're a family of faith together. You know, I, I'm satisfied by you. I, I'm convinced, persuaded, beyond doubt and three qualities, three spiritual qualities of the church there at Rome. And I believe they ought to describe every true church of Christ. You know, first, they're full of goodness. You know, that, that's not just idle talk. They're, they're good in God's eyes. It's an active Christian kindness. You know, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians 5. You know, and it's, it's notable because remember how Paul began Romans. If you go back to Romans 3, 11, and 12, this is what Paul wrote to them, quoting Scripture, Romans 3, 11. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Uh, So that's how he starts Romans. And now here in in Romans 15 verse 14, now you're you're full of goodness. You're, You're full of God's goodness. God's kindness, God's compassion. But the second attribute there of the church, they're filled with all knowledge. You know, it's not that they're smart Christians, not doubting that they were students of God's word, but they're filled with a knowledge of God. You know, Romans 11, verse 33 puts it this way, Romans 11.33, you know, Paul's doxology. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. You're, you're filled with all the knowledge of God. You're, you're filled with God's very knowledge. Not that you can't continue to be filled, continue study scripture, you know, but, but what a glorious description. You're, you're a church that's full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. 
And now the rubber meets the road. The third attribute, you're able to instruct or to admonish one another. You're, you're able and even called to lovingly correct a brother and sister in Christ in, in the faith. If, if they're beginning to wander from scriptural doctrine, the truth of God, you know, what, what are we called to do as a church? We're, we're called to admonish, to instruct. Hey, you're taking the wrong road. You know, turn back before it's too late. You know, they're, they're edifying them, encouraging them. You know, so there is a gospel confidence in, in the church, and, and you get still that confidence, that the boldness in Paul, verse 15, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. You know, that, that word boldly is, is actually the first word in uh, the original language there. Boldly I have written to you all. You know, courageously, faithfully. Why? To graciously remind them. Because of the grace given me by God. You know, Paul continually speaks gospel truth and love to his brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, throughout Romans, and we can see it in much of the New Testament, but especially uh, Pauline epistles, that, that, that centrality of God's grace to us in Christ. That's how Paul began the, this letter. Romans 1, verse 4. Romans 1, verse 4. Speaking of, of Jesus, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. You know, we've received grace. You know, we don't earn grace. We don't merit God's grace. You know, we we are humble, unworthy recipients of God's grace to us in Christ and, and and Paul, again, is proclaiming that doctrine of grace that, that is right at the center of the life of this church. You know, but still with his gospel confidence, Paul has godly goals, his servant of Christ. And verse 16 is a challenging verse, even in English. Uh, but Paul declares here that he is a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. You know, a minister here, it doesn't mean, well, I've been to seminary, I've got my, my uh, ordination certificate on the wall back home. You know, he, he is a servant, a humble servant of the risen Lord and returning king. He, he's been set apart by God for the gospel for the gospel task of leading others to worship. That, that word minister, and then also that word priestly service and offering, you know, this is Old Testament language. You know, here Paul, as, as, as a priest of God, you know, is being used of the Lord to, 
to lead God's people in worship, to offer even the Gentiles as a sacrifice to the Lord so that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, not that they were slain, you know, but these were living sacrifices, lovingly presented to the Lord. We get a hint of it uh, again in the Old Testament. It's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah 66, verse 20. You can keep your Bibles open there to, to Romans 15, 16, but, but hear this, Isaiah 66, 20. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on dromedaries to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. So these Gentile believers are being offered to God as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. F.F. Bruce put it this way, he, that is Paul, views his apostleship as a priestly service and his Gentile converts as the acceptable offering which he presents to God. But even as he presents them to God, look at the last part of that verse. They're, They're sanctified, made holy, set apart by the Holy Spirit. You know, even in America today, you know, did a little study. You know, many churches uh, continue to struggle, you know, after the destructive impact of COVID-19. Things, very few cases now in Louisiana and even in the United States. And I know people still want us to live in fear. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's had a great impact on churches It's reported that church attendance has dropped as much as 45% nationwide. Many members still at home enjoying what has been called pancake church. That was a new expression to me, pancake church. That's where you, you sit on the couch in your pajamas and eat pancakes while watching church on TV. You know, so much simpler, don't have to pay gas. And uh, tithes and offerings have also decreased. Uh, The light of the church in many ways is flickering. That's not to doubt God's faithfulness. And, And it's good for us, vital for us as Christians to read portions of scripture like this here in Romans 15. Paul, Paul has a, a, a gospel confidence in Christ's church. You know, this church that is full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct and admonish one another. A gospel confidence about the church. But notice well, verse now beginning with verse 17, there, there's a gospel concern for evangelism. You know, th- this church is outward looking as well. Paul begins, this portion begins, this is evangelism for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Then, I have reason to be proud or to be glorying in my work for God. What's been his work for God? 
planting this church, church he never even visited, but he's writing this letter to them, you know, giving a, a glorious explanation of the doctrines of grace. And, uh, but he, even the Apostle Paul realizes he, he doesn't get the credit. God gets all the glory uh, for that work of evangelism. R.C. Sproul put it this way, he is not boasting of himself and of his own accomplishments. He is boasting in the Lord. He is boasting about what Christ is, has accomplished. You know, so when we bear witness to Christ, God gets all the glory and the praise. And so it's evangelism with humility, verse 18 Uh, Even the Apostle Paul humbly states that he will not presume, not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience. You know, sincere spiritual obedience as fruit of their faith in Christ. Again, not that the Gentiles are saved by their obedience, were not saved by works, Jewish converts were not saved by works. But here the, the obedience is, is a fruit of their faith in Christ. He goes on to say, by word and deed. You know, they're saved by the word of God. Uh, they show their salvation in their gospel deeds, loving one another, showing God's love to the lost as well. But where does this power for evangelism come from? You know, by, by the power of signs and wonders. You know, there, there are some today, um, they, they talk about evangelism by signs and wonders. They believe, and I believe there is not a, a, a firm biblical basis that uh, the church today ought to have greater Power, greater signs, greater miracles. You know, if you look at scripture, side note here, but I think it's important. You know, you think of all the miracles that Jesus performed. You know, but even then, in the book of Acts, there's only seven that are cited. And, and then you go to the book of Acts, and, and that number of miracles begins to decrease. You know, why is that? You know, Christ is on the throne in glory. We have the power of the word. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, by the power of signs and wonders. You know, signs, though, think of the signs that Moses displayed before Pharaoh that proved God's sovereign power. You know, wonders, wonders that Bring holy awe. I know our ladies are studying Exodus 1 through 18, but uh, hear this, Exodus chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, Exodus 11, 9 and 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's hearts. And he did not let the people of Israel go out of the land. 
sermon for another time, but uh, you know, here, here the power of signs and wonders. But more importantly, you look again there at verse 19, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. You know, again, if you take a close look at these verses, you see every person of the Trinity at work in bringing out our in bringing about our salvation, the work of God the Father, the work of of Christ Jesus uh, there on the cross, and now the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul has a gospel concern for evangelism, and he gives us an illustration. Last part of verse 19, the geography of evangelism. So that from Jerusalem and all the way round to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. If you have a map in your Bible, you, you know where Jerusalem is there, you know, eastern end of, of the Mediterranean, there Israel. You know, Elycrium is 1,400 miles to the northwest of Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem, we think of the start of the gospel, start of the church, apostles going forth, but Paul never made it to Elycrium. Elycrium, if you look at a, a modern-day map, it's about where Albania is on the eastern shore of the Adriatic Sea, just across from uh, that boot we call Italy. Italy looks like a boot uh, there. You know, Al- Albania... And just, you know, I'm sure Paul was praying for Albania. You know, there was a recent article in uh, the Gospel Coalition about Albania. Be glad to send you the link. In in the 1980s, it was a communist country. They try. It was the third poorest country in the world. Uh, They tried to shut uh, the doors to allowing the Christian faith to come in. It said there were only a handful of believers. Uh, But by God's grace, communism fell. Um, People from the outside dropped Bibles. Paratroopers after World War II dropped Bibles by parachutes on Albania. And then they had the the, uh, creative idea of putting Bibles in plastic bags, filling them with air, and they'd put them in the ocean at at the right tide so the Bibles would float into Albania. They would put them on a river that flowed into Albania. Uh, But more importantly, we know God's Holy Spirit was at work there in what was called Elycrium, a a province of Rome. You know, it's been impacted by the gospel. You know, why all these gospel labors? You know, look at the last part of verse 20. Paul can, with all confidence, say, I have fulfilled, I have completed the ministry of the gospel. All good reason to to think here, Paul's life is coming to a close. And he can say, you know, he he has been a faithful servant of Christ. I have faithfully preached the gospel of Christ. You know, that, that's what Romans is all about. You know, if anyone ever tries to stump you, tell me what Romans is all about. You can say it's all about the gospel of Christ. 
That's what the Apostle Paul, the good news of the gospel, you know, that, that we are sinners. You know, and as sinners, we need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. And, and then Romans tells us that, that Christ is that Savior, you know, the one who died for our sins on the cross. You know, the good news of the gospel of Christ, you know, and, and <clears throat> may each one of us be used. You may think, well, I'm not an Apostle Paul. You know, I'm more like Thomas, a doubting Thomas. You, you may think, well, maybe I'm like Peter who denied Christ and was forgiven. You know, but, but there was a heart for evangelism here. A faithful proclamation of the gospel. You know, and God calls each and every one of his beloved and blood-bought children to have a concern for the lost and a readiness to share the gospel. You know, Paul is, is displaying his heart for the gospel, but this should be our heart for the gospel as well. But finally, there is a gospel courage to persevere. We've seen a gospel confidence about the church, a gospel concern for evangelism. Now in the last two verses, a gospel courage to persevere. We read verse 20, you know, of Paul's courageous purpose. And thus I make it my ambition, I make it my goal, my heart's desire, my holy desire to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. You know, Paul steadfastly strives to preach the gospel, to share the good news that God graciously saves sinners by grace, by the shed blood of Christ. You know, but Paul has a striking gospel strategy. You know, some call Paul a pioneer preacher, a pioneer missionary. He seeks to preach the gospel, but not where Christ has already been named. I don't want to ride on anyone's coattails. Boldly going, you know, where no man, no missionary has gone before. He seeks to sow gospel seeds in cities and communities and in countries where the name of Christ has never been heard. And brothers and sisters, there are still portions of the world where the name of Christ has never been heard. They need the gospel. They need the Bible. They need missionaries. Douglas Moo put it this way, Paul here indicates that he believed that God had given him the ministry of establishing strategic churches in virgin gospel territory. You know, not, not that he preached in every city, every community along the way, you know, but as God led him by the Holy Spirit all the way from Jerusalem to Elycrium, his missionary journeys, you know, the, these churches were planted and, and the gospel began to spread. You know, not only in that portion of the world around the Mediterranean, but all over the world to God's glory and praise. You know, he, he the Lord used him. You know, when I was a child, I often heard missionary stories at church, at home. 
few of them still stick in my mind. William Carey going to India back in 1793. Almost starved to death. His wife had a mental breakdown. Lost children there in India. But the Lord had led him uh, to proclaim the gospel, to plant churches. First church I pastored in Greensboro, Alabama. I couldn't find all the information trying to re- re- recall it, but there was a woman there from Greensboro, a little city, a woman by the name of Emma P. Boardman. You know, and this is around the turn of the last century, around the 1900s. She answered God's call to go to China as a single woman. You know, back, day, back then it took you a long time to get to China. She didn't come home for 20 years. And the Lord has Christians in China. Yes, it's struggles, persecution in China, you know, but, but God has his remnant there. You know, because of faithful women who are used of the Lord to spread the gospel. You know, courage. You know, that's a word we don't use too often, even in churches today. You know, gospel courage. You know, think of Daniel in the lion's den. You know, Paul preaching to the Philippian jailer. You know, there he is in jail. That that would have been the last thing on my mind. How can I escape? Lord, what am I doing here? And what is he doing? Preaching the gospel to the Philippian jailer. And what does the Lord do? Philippian jailer comes to faith in Christ. All of his family come to faith in Christ. Paul, when he appeared before Felix and King Agrippa, what did he do? Did he rant and rave about government? No, he preached the gospel to them. Courageously. But we close with a hopeful prophecy. Paul closes this section Uh, Verse 21, a quote from Isaiah 52, verse 15, almost a word-for-word quote. It's the last of 64 Old Testament quotations in Romans, and many of them from Isaiah. Paul's preaching of the gospel to Gentiles is fulfilling God's prophecy. You know, there in Isaiah 52, and for those of you who know your scripture, what comes after Isaiah 52? Isaiah 53. You know, and what do we read in Isaiah 53? You know, we read words like this, just to give you a sampling. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. You know, so the Lord is using this servant to fulfill gospel prophecy, to bring the Gentiles, to bring the lost, to saving faith in Christ. And we'll close with a quote, not a quote from a hymn, resisted that temptation this morning. Uh, Robert Haldane, in his commentary on Romans, and it applies to us today. Whenever the Lord has work to do, 
He raises up men, and we could include women, with a heart to perform it. Whenever the Lord has work to do, he raises up men with a heart to perform it. The Lord raised up Paul. The Lord continues to raise up those who have a heart to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And may it be our prayer that the Lord would continue to raise up gospel laborers who go to China, who go to the Ukraine, who go to what at one time was called the dark continent of Africa. Much of Africa still needs the gospel. Closed countries like North Korea. But there ought to be a readiness for each one of us. You know, each one of us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. That we along with this servant of God, might carry on that faithful gospel ministry of telling others that good news, salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for faithful, courageous, persevering gospel workers like Paul. Peter, John, a a host of others in Christian history. And Lord, pray that even in these days of uh, shrinking church attendance, even giving a reluctance to serve, Lord, that you would still be raising up those who will go forth, get out of their comfort zone, out of their own culture, Father, to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. May we be found faithful until the day of Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.